Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochilillo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cochilillo. And today our guest is Erin Montgomery. She is the author of Dirty Little Secret, Confessions of an Alien Contactee. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so we'll just start right from the beginning. I know um, when I was reading it, it looks like you started having these experiences around the age of seven. At the time that I wrote the book, that was the earliest memory I had, about seven years old. Um, since then, I've had a memory from about four. So, so I've got a little, a couple of earlier memories since that time. And uh, you also mentioned that your family has a history with this phenomenon. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm. I'm definitely not the only one in my family that has experienced these things. Um, it, at this point in time, we have four generations of contact that I am aware of. Okay, so it seems like they're, they're, they're really focused on, on the family, maybe the genetics of it. Um, so, so what was it like? like? Like, when did you start remembering these experiences? How did you start remembering them? And, and how did it make you feel? I had no earthly idea, you know, using the term earth, earthly kind of facetiously in, the, in that, uh, that anything was going on to this level until I was in college. Um, I had paranormal things happen to me my entire life. So that was um, something that I was interested in. And I paid attention to whether it's ghosts or um, I had uh, strange experiences. Uh, I, I describe it as like by location where I'd be at home doing my homework and my friends would see me walking down the street at the same time. Um, you know, things like that, that were very strange when I was in junior high, um, incidents with strange, uh, not necessarily missing time, but added time. Like I would get home earlier than when I had left where I was going, things like that. But when I got to college, uh, my second year of college, I went through, a there was a, a talk being given about UFOs. I was always really interested in the topic. And um, I, so I sat in on this lecture and it happened to be Stanton Friedman that was talking about it. And he's, a, you know, he's really quite famous in the UFO world. And I, I had no idea who he was at the time. Um, you know, he's just recently passed away, which saddened all of us in the, yeah. in the, in the, um, I don't know what to call it in the phenomenon or whatever. Um, but he, um, he was talking and the more he talked, the more anxious I got. And it was like a fear and a excitement at the same time. And, and I didn't really understand why I was feeling that way. Um, and I had walked the lecture and when I left, it was dark and I realized I was too afraid to look up into the stars and I felt that was a very odd reaction for me to have. Like, why, why am I afraid to look up all of a sudden? That's ridiculous. UFOs are cool. We need to see one, but I was terrified. Um, 
and that night I had, I had, um, there was like an explosion, a lot of light outside my window. It sounded like an explosion. It could have been like a transformer. I don't know, but I woke up knowing that something had happened. And it was at that point that I started to wonder if I had had uh, UFO experiences. And so I was 19 at that time, memories started to trickle in more and more. And I guess by that time I was 25, I fully understood that I was um, a contactee and I was scared. Oh, definitely. So um, when they first contact you, uh, did they start abducting you right away? Or did they just start showing themselves to you? Um, how did they communicate? When, I mean, I, you know, the memories would trickle in and I would, you know, have, it would be scary just having those memories pop up. And, the, and when they do, they're just little flashes. You don't really understand what it is you're seeing, but, um, you know, scary, scary things, uh, um, like medical equipment and, and the, these uh, beings that are really close to you and they're not human. And uh, when I was pregnant with my second child, I was about 24 years old, I would hear feet running on the roof. Um, I would know that they, they were coming. It was just a, a, a feeling, a knowing, and, and that would send me into like a panic attack. Um, as things progressed, and I was able to recognize more and more the signs of what was going to happen. Then I started to recognize, you know, even before going to bed that something's going to happen. It's just this weird feeling in the pit of your stomach. It's, it's really hard to describe. You just know. And, and I think that was their way of communicating like, hey, we're coming, you better prepare. Um, of course, that to me, it just terrified me instead of um, calming me down. Um, and, you know, it took a long time for me to be able to see them with my eyes open. Um, most of the time I would just wake up and know something had happened and I'd have bruises or marks or dreams that um, were like a telltale sign for me to, to start exploring, okay, what just happened? Um, and it wasn't until 2012 that I actually actively started pursuing the information. So I, um, I live in Roswell, New Mexico, of all places. And we have um, a UFO festival every year. And my friend convinced me that it was time to start showing up to these things. And, uh, and I did, and we attended many of the lectures. And as I sat in the lectures of contactees or people that worked with contactees, I was recognizing more and more of the signs proving to me that this was what was going on in my world. And um, it was at that time that I met Yvonne Smith, who does hypnotic regressions and things like that. And, um, you know, she uh, got me into contact with her support group. And I was able to start to process a lot of these memories through the support of others, which I think is extremely important now for people who are realizing what's going on. And uh, a few years later, I finally was ready to have my own hypnotic regression. Um, and that's the experience that I had at seven years old. That's why I have the detail of, you know, that 
of that experience because I relived it and I can remember it now. Um, and it was at that point that I had regression that I finally came to terms with, no, I'm not crazy, that this is real. And other people have experienced it as well. Right. And, and you have experience as like a mental health worker. So, so you're yes. able to recognize, you know, the signs of PTSD and trauma and things, you know, associated with that kind of trauma. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I, and I am diagnosed. So yeah, I've, you know, I do have PTSD. I've also had some pretty awful things happen in my life that, um, you know, compounded like a, um, a very violent marriage, things like that. So, so it, sometimes it's hard to pick apart. Am I upset because there's UFOs around or am I upset because I was watching 48 hours, you know, or something on TV. Mm -hmm. So it, it does get complicated. Um, so once they have you on the craft, uh, and you know, there, there seems like they're, they're experimenting on you. Um, do you, do you know what it is they're, they're doing to you? Um, some of the things I know are like tracking devices, uh, implants, things like that. Um, and as far as I can tell, these devices that have been implanted, at least into me, help uh, with communications. At least that's the information that I have been given about them. Um, so that's part of it. Mm -hmm. And the main part, though, I do believe has to do with genetic material, DNA, and um, the creation of hybrid children. Right. And, and this is something that, that I'm actually you know, I'm familiar with and it has come up quite often with so many of my with some of my other interviews with uh, people, you know, talking about UFOs and aliens and abductions. And uh, it's this idea that the gray aliens are not able to reproduce on their own and they need to use humans. That's, that's a, one of the things that I have heard speculated as well. There's a reason why they need our DNA. There's a reason why it's being combined. Um, I don't know exactly what that reason is, but yeah, that's one of the things that I've heard as well. Have you heard of the idea that, um, that the great aliens were actually at one point human? And uh, part of the society on Earth got had been wiped out, and some of them left the planet. And while they were in space, they evolved into you know like what they are now. They adjusted to to life in space and zero gravity, which made them you know this funny shape. And also during that process, they had lost their ability to reproduce and lost the ability also to feel emotions. And that they're trying to re-engineer themselves back into what they originally were and be able to reproduce again and have feelings. I have heard some of that. I have heard that the the Greys very well could be humans from the future. And I I don't know. I think that is a very interesting idea. And I don't see that it would be incongruent with what um, we experience. I mean, they're human enough like um to make sense to me. Um, 
I interact with so many different types. It's really hard to say, you know, is it the really teeny tiny grays or is it like the zeta reticulin grays? <laughs> you know, which mm-hmm. which grays are the humans um, possibly? Um, it gets so complicated. Right. In in my head, yeah. One of the most disturbing things that I found in your account is that during your abduction, uh, not only did you see these greys, um, but you saw humans helping them. Yes, yes. And I believe that is actually like a completely different type of experience than like being taken onto a ship or into a different dimension. I believe that that is something that has to do with the um, the military. And, um, my, the, it's like, okay. So I, I describe it like this. I have some very loving and gentle and kind experiences and I have experiences that are scary, but not necessarily bad, but then I have that experience as well. And it was absolutely horrifying and terrifying. It was painful. It was humiliating. It was degrading. It was probably the worst thing that I could think of that I could ever endure in life. Um, And knowing that there are humans there and they just don't care. Um, Have you ever heard about the United States? uh, Mostly I think the United States government has a treaty with the aliens and they're, they're allowing them to take humans for experiments and for reproductive purposes in exchange for technology? I have heard about that. And I think that it, um, you know, I've heard about, I think it was Eisenhower who met with um, some beings in, I don't even know when, maybe, I don't know, 50s, 60s. I don't even, you know, time ways. I'm not even sure when he was president, but um but I do know it was not very far from here. It was at Holloman Air Force Base, which is, um, you know, that's Alamogordo, New Mexico, really not just up the road really from here. And um, I have heard about that. And I have, um, you know, the, the, the memory that I have, that most disturbing memory that I have was not on a ship, but underground. And I have speculation that is the Dulce Mountain mm-hmm base that uh, is also here in New Mexico. So, Wow. That, that, that's just the part that really bothers me is that the, our government would, would make an agreement where, you know, they're allowing uh, aliens to just experiment and use us for reproductive purposes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It really bothers me too. And I, at the same time, I feel like, you know, the, you know, the carrying of a fetus and things like this that I experienced on ship with greys and others, uh, other types is, you know, while some people would find it disturbing to me, it is normal at this point and not scary. And I think that, you know, I, I wonder if it's because of, um, you know, my genetic line and the paying attention of what's happening to my family and other families got the attention of the government to say what's happening here. And we need to take these people and see what's going on because they did take 
a child for me that night. And um, I don't think it was one that they had implanted. So, so I, it, it just, it just makes me wonder like what level am I being watched or am I just paranoid? You know, um, it's just uh, the, the government involvement really steps up the fear a notch. Yeah. <laughs> or two yeah. Or three. And the, what concerns me so much about the, the government too, and just human beings in general is like, you know, like, 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 let's say like the gray aliens, maybe they don't feel emotions or have the capacity for emotions. So, so they're just operating like out of survival and technology type of, you know, thought, but a human being is a whole nother story. You know, we, 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 we feel emotions for each other. Yes. We do feel, well, we should feel emotions for each other. And the human that I most specifically remember at that point did not even, I mean, he looked at me and looked away. He did not register the fact that I was in pain and I was in turmoil. He did, there was just a very, very much a disconnect and a a lack of caring. Um, Now, when I'm on ship with these beings that maybe don't express emotions the same way as we do, I do know that they care about our state of minds enough to either cloud our memories, to hide the memories, or to, um, you know, present something that is not as scary, you know, just looking through our minds like, okay, this image isn't going to scare her so much, let's use it. And so to me, there's a compassion there for um, you know, even if we are test subjects, at least they're preserving our integrity, if that makes sense. Um, what I experienced with the military was none of that. They did, there was no measure to um, really calm me down. There were some, um, you know, I was, I blacked out several times. So there was something there, but there was not any hiding of what was going on. There was no painkiller. There was, there was nothing. Um, and I guess, you know, thinking about it right now, it made me wonder, was, was that human under some sort of um, hypnotic trance or something that he wouldn't care? But I, I, I don't think so, honestly. Right. There's definitely different explanations. During that episode, what one of the um, grades that you talk about is one that you sort of, you sort of just call her your handler. Mm-hmm. Was she present during that particular event? I remember her being there. Um, I remember, you know, and that was like the only comfort I felt was from that being. And and how surreal is that? You know, to have the only comfort that I felt at that time be from um, an alien. And if, you know, that's my only sense of familiarity and, yeah. So maybe some of them do feel compassion, at least. I think they do. Or or, or at least that one maybe felt compassion towards you. Uh, I mean, especially if, like, you know, if she's been with you since you were a child. Right. Right. And I've, and I've often wondered why did I remember her there when it was such a different type of experience? You know, 
I don't know. There's so many questions when it comes to these things and, and trying to take it apart and understand, um, was she really there? Was she just like astrally projecting herself with me to calm me down or, or have I been a part of this, uh, the military experiments for much longer than I realized? You see, I mean, if this is going back for four generations and, mm-hmm. and she's usually there, do you think it's a it's some kind of possibility that she is a some kind of genetic relative of yours? She very well could be. She very well could be. Oh. Have you considered that? Like really thought about like wow, like maybe she, I'm actually related to these to the no, particular alien? No. no, actually I have not thought about that. I mean, I've thought about, you know, maybe, you know, if they are from the future, maybe, you know, the we're part of their family, but I have often just thought that they created us, but mm-hmm. you're right. She very well could be family line. And that um, actually like resonates really well um, in my heart chakra. If that makes any sense, it's like, mm-hmm. I've got a warm, a warmth in my heart right now. So, so that kind of tells me that may be true. Yeah. Maybe she wasn't so much your hand or maybe she was a protector. You know, trying to Very well make sure, you know, like maybe, um, like even a parent, like, you know, how, like parents can protect their children to a certain extent, mm-hmm. you know, from what happens to them in the world. But you can never protect your children 100%. You know what I mean? They're always going <laughs> to go out there. They're always right. going to get hurt. Bad things are going to happen. They're going to do bad things. But as a parent, you just, you're, you're there and you offer love. And comfort, and, and it almost to, to me when I'm reading your book, you know, when I was reading about about this particular being, that's what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah, yeah, and I've never really been able to like, why was she there? Because I've always seen her on ship or in a you know in a totally different environment than that. So that makes me just wonder if she was there with me just to keep me as safe as possible. Because there was nothing they could do about it either. I don't know. Yeah, all she could do is be there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and try to minimize maybe the damage that they could possibly do to you. Right. Hmm. I definitely have some thinking <laughs> that I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the in- things that that you mentioned too, you know. Like you know, almost every every contactee or abductee talks about missing time. Mm-hmm. Um, even I I I uh, know somebody. I work with somebody who who experienced that and believes they were abducted. And I, and I have another friend back in New Jersey too who had a similar experience. Um, but you had one that's really interesting, which is like where, um, like added time. Yes, I did have some added time. I was maybe 16, 17 years old. I was dating this guy that lived um, outside of town, um, you know, out in the country. And I was in Colorado when I was growing up and um, I had a car I was driving. And I realized that I was late and I needed to get my butt home or I was going to get in trouble. And so I hop in the car and leave. And by the time I got home, 
you know, I was really worried, like, oh my God, dad's going to be so mad. He's probably sitting up waiting for me. And I get inside and I, I got home before I had actually left and I was not late. Um, and I never really could understand how that happened. Like, how did, how did I get home before I left, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and it's just, it's just funny how that happens. I don't have any recall of anything happening at the time, but I do have these weird dreams of being in a car that's lifted up um, off the ground um, and descending back to the ground. So I wonder, you know, if I was to explore it through regression or pay, you know, really work hard on recall that drive, what I would remember. So I have a, I have a feeling something happened that night. Oh, absolutely. Do you think, um that they manipulate our perception of time or do you think they actually are able to manipulate time itself there is no time time is a human construct that's, that's um, true yeah so I, I i believe that they try to maneuver us back into our perception of time when they return us and they don't always get it right that's what i think um you know, that time with the added time they tried, or maybe, hey, they were doing me a favor. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's get her home on time so she doesn't get in trouble, um, which would be cool. And maybe I negotiated that. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, that's one thing I've learned through all of my experiences is they are not perfect. They are not perfect. They're just trying to do the best that they can so not to disrupt our lives too much. Um, unless they want us to do something. And then the disruption um, becomes obvious, um, you know, which is kind of what I'm experiencing now. Like there's, there's too much in my head and I can't ignore it and I better just do what they are asking, such as writing the book, talking about it, making this, um, you know, doing my best to make it as uh, a known phenomenon as possible. I know that many contactees are actually driven to do the same thing. So they're pushing us towards disclosure? I believe so. I believe so. It makes me wonder what's going on because it seems like the government is work doesn't want disclosure but is working <laughs> cooperating with them but yet they are telling you know their contactees to disclose. Um, maybe that, that maybe that's because of a disagreement between different alien species. That's where I would go. You know, I'd, I'd want to define them, you know, and um, I know that the, the beings that I work with on ship and whatnot are completely different than the beings that are with the, you know, underground, except for the handler, which, you know, we've already discussed is an anomaly and I can't figure it out. Um, but yeah, no, I think that, you know, there are so many different species and so many, you know, every single one is going to have their own agenda. And we don't know what any of these agendas are. You know, I may have been um, in contact with these beings since the time I was born, but that doesn't mean I understand them at all. And I certainly don't know where they're from or why they're here or what they want. So, so none, of them have, none of them huh? have communicated where they came from or why? Mm 
or if they have, it was in a state that I do not recall now. Um, but but some of them do look different from what I read in your book than each other. Yes, yes. And um, sometimes they're on, you know, there's multiple types of beings on one ship. Can you describe some of them for me? I have seen very, very small grays, maybe at the most two and a half to three feet tall. Um, very large heads and, and the round the the wraparound eyes um almond shape they move like children very similar to the ones that are in um close encounters of the third kind when they come out of the ship you know mm-hmm. um i know those are children in costumes but it is very similar to that i have seen um like the handler herself and the other beings that when i was seven um their faces are very um elongated like you know if you look at a typical gray drawing you know like a i mean i'm in roswell everything around here has these faces and to me they're not right um you know if it's very flat nosed flat faced and the 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 bulbous of the head is up above but it's like you you need to grab the top of the head and the nose and the mouth and kind of pull them apart like one forward one back um because the snout for you know the the nose and mouth is um protruded and rather pointed in the front and the head descends you know in the in the back and at an angle um that's how i see them um and then i've seen i guess what you would call a mantid very tall very thin with a triangular shaped head and movable mouth parts you know kind of like a bug would have or an insect. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've seen um, a tall white being who's like a chalky white color. His head is um, more of a sideways shaped oval with round eyes. Looks very much like E.T., but very tall. Um, I seem to have a pretty good relationship with that guy. So, yeah, I've seen many, many different types of beings. Um. During one of your experiences, you mentioned like some beings that are standing behind like podiums and one of them is is teaching you how to levitate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that I have been taught how to do many things. That guy taught me how to levitate. Well, it was like levitation kind of flying. Um, Ultimately, I think it was manipulation of gravity. Um, And I only say that because you know, at the same time, I, I was able to manipulate gravity here as a child. This is around 10 or 11 years old. And I was in elementary school and I would ask a friend of mine to pick me up and she would pick me up and put me down. And then I would just kind of shift my weight a little bit and say, pick me up again. And she couldn't do it. She could not pick me up. And then I would relax and say, okay, pick me up. And she could easily pick me up and I would do it again and just shift a little bit and say, pick me up. And she couldn't do it. Um, So, and I, and time-wise it corresponds to that experience that I had um, where I was being taught how to, how to fly like that. So I I find it very interesting that I could do that. Um, But he also told me about, uh, or taught me about uh, energy centers in the body. You know, what we know as chakras, Mm -hmm. um, 
which my father later reintroduced me to, um, you know, as a teenager. And um, I've now, you know, have studied them and worked a lot with them and, and understand a lot more. Um, but energy work is kind of one of my things. So I just find it interesting that I was taught that at such a young age. So it doesn't sound like their agenda is all bad and all self-interested. I don't think so. I definitely don't think so. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the experiences that I've had, I would not be who I am today. I would not have the um, impetus to have a spiritual understanding of the world around me. Um, you know, and like I said, energy work is just part and parcel of who I am right now. Um, I work as a shaman. I do readings, healings, and things like that in my, you know, after after hours, after work. Um, but really, they have, you know, with contact, it has increased my ability to understand um, the nature of the world around me. It's like I can see with different eyes and hear with different ears and perceive more than I think that a, a person who does not have contact can. Whether you, that's good or bad, I don't know. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just think like maybe, um, you know, somewhere maybe the exchange um isn't just about technology maybe uh there's also something there where they're um like I, like i'm sure you're like because you're a shaman and do uh energy work I'm, I'm, you must be um familiar with the process of extension mm -hmm. do you think that like, maybe they're trying trying to help certain human beings you know go through that process I definitely think they do. I think that, um, you know, one of the main things that I have learned and, and uh, you can talk to many different contactees about the information that is downloaded, you know, into their minds. Uh, some of them learn, some of us are taught mathematics, others, um, you know, mechanics. Some of us are taught physics um, and the things that I am taught are uh, it's like a borderline between physics and spirituality, like um, how the soul works in a quantum state. I know this sounds really weird and I certainly am not a physicist of any sort, but um, you know, the understanding that there is no time, the understanding that past lives, you know, quote unquote past lives is a thing. However, there is, you know, since there is no time, all of these lives are happening simultaneously and we have access to all of these selves. And uh, the more you communicate between the selves, the easier it is to send higher. And, and to me, it's like the coming together of all of those bits of ourselves so that we can reach into the whole of the soul. And, to, and um, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about what other people think of Ascension, but no. I know that that is the information that has been taught to me by well, these beings. Yeah, that's almost exactly the same thing that um, I, I had interviewed um, somebody named Patricia Corey, and she wrote a book on uh, um, Syrian race revelations. And she said almost exactly the same thing that you just said. Oh, really? Yes. 
So, so if you ever have a chance, you might want to go back and check check out that episode I did with her because yeah, the same thing that, that you said. And you said that was Syrian, yeah, information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, interesting. And uh, yeah, I, 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 my interview. If you go back in my interviews, it was about two months ago. I talked to her. It's still there. Okay. But uh, yeah, it, it's really interesting. I, I do think that there is definitely a spiritual angle of them working with us. At least, at least certain ones have some kind of spiritual agenda with us. Yes. Um, yes. Because because you're not the first person I spoke with who's you know um, gotten that type of message from them, and is is doing the same type of work that you're doing. Wow, that's awesome! I love to hear that I'm not the only one because uh, you know, as a contactee, oftentimes we live that way for years and years. Like I'm just crazy; nobody is going to ever believe me. Nobody can identify with me. And so, hearing that there's other people that have uh, the same information, that have learned the same things, and understand the world and other worlds, you know, the same as me, is very exciting. Yeah. Um. So spiritually, like, like, um, do you do any like mediumship or anything like that? I do on occasion. I do not feel like I am a very strong medium um, when it comes to like contacting people who have crossed to the other side and have been gone for a long time, um, like, you know, ancestors and whatnot. Um, however, I... I do work with, um, you know, maybe a house that is haunted and there's a spirit there that needs to cross. I, I, I do that often. I will. Um, I also, you know, I've had the opportunity to communicate with beings or people who have just passed and as they're crossing over to the other side. So talk about something amazing to witness and understand you know just getting those messages from somebody who has just crossed over is phenomenal and 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 what is that like 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 how do you communicate with the spirits do you talk to them um, like like with telepathy and and how do they respond like aren't they like used to like humans just sort of like ignoring them and be like oh it's just our imagination you're not real it, it depends on the entity and how long they've been passed on or, you know, dead. Um, you know, the, 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 the people that I have talked to right as they are crossing or right after they have crossed have just given me phenomenal information. And, and um, I do hear that, you know, in clear audience. So I will hear this, their voices in my mind. Oftentimes I will see um, pictures and things like that in my mind as well. I very rarely see things with like my, you know, outside of my head or mm-hmm. hear things outside of my head. Sometimes I do, but it's not very often. Um, I'm also empathic, so I can feel the emotions um, that are being imparted by these entities or these, these, these souls that have passed on. Um, yeah. Um, and then, you know, if I go into a home that's haunted, oftentimes the entities just kind of flock to me because I I don't know if they can just tell that I can hear them. Um, I have been told 
by one spirit that I just have a bright light and, and she could see me and she knew that we could, that I could help her. And, um, and, you know, so sometimes when they have been here for a long time and, and without their physical body, it's almost like they used, they lose their uh, understanding of being a human. And, um, and it takes a while for them to be able to communicate in a, in a way other than just lashing out. Um, it can be, it can be really interesting <laughs> doing that kind of work. <laughs> um, well, when you work with them, um, and, and you get them to, to lead, to, to cross over, um, oh, actually like, what is it that prevents them from crossing over to begin with? It depends on the being. Oftentimes there's some, like they have a mission that they, they need to complete, or there's a feeling of guilt, like they don't deserve to go on. Like uh, they did something bad and they're holding themselves back. And sometimes there's somebody that crossed before them that they just don't want to run into. Um, like, I don't know, my dad passed and I, he and I did not have a good time, so I do not want to see him. Um, and so it, it's, it's kind of funny, but oftentimes I find myself being like a, a therapist to the dead and um, just, you know, getting them to think through things like you don't have to see him, you know, let you do deserve to cross. You, you don't need to live here anymore. You will feel better on the other side, things like that. So um, it's, <laughs> I don't know, it, you know, it just depends on what they went through in life. And, and oftentimes while I sit and, and talk to these beings, um, you know, somebody will, uh, from their family, a friend, um, even angels will sometimes be involved, will come in and help usher them to the other side, letting them uh, feel feel more um, at ease, happy, um, remembered, and things like that. And, and they will often decide to cross and, and, and be healed. Because it seems to me from what I have observed that being here on this plane at this vibration outside of a physical body is not necessarily healthy for them. So would that also apply with us or like with astral travel and things like that? Hmm, that's a good question. It would make sense because I know that I do a lot of astral traveling at night, not um, not directed. It's I, I just know that I do. Um, I don't ask for it, it just happens. But those those times where I am not fully in body and I come back and I and I wake up, I am exhausted. I have not rested. It kind of make that makes a lot of sense. You may be onto something there. I don't know. Like, I, I know I, I've had an NDE myself, and uh, I don't know. For me, it was definitely like one of the coolest things that ever happened, and and I really didn't want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, man, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Um, but I, I think maybe to 
with with humans and maybe maybe there's a like 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 we don't have like we have physical gravity maybe mm-hmm. there's some kind of spiritual gravity that holds us together i would think that there is something that ties us together i mean i've heard of that like silver cord that ties us together and it would make a lot of sense i do know that it's very hard to come back like after astral traveling it is it is hard to enter the body and like i said you wake up just feeling like you've been hammered on and hit by a truck and you just you feel awful um the next day um and i've had um like a hard time returning just being able to wake up um just keep like i like i gotta get up but i'm not fully in body i'm you know halfway to whatever dimension i was in and still experiencing there and um you know, that can lead to accidents. You can get hurt. You can mm. all sorts of things. So when you do like, like shamanic work, um, how, how do you do that? Like, do you, do you travel outside of your body during shamanic work or, or do you use like a, um, like drumming to put yourself into a trance or psychedelics or anything like that? Um, yeah, I, I use like drumming and I'll just, I just pull something up on YouTube, throw on some headphones and um, allow that vibration to help me, um, you know, really do, I really do separate and um, able to travel, you know, either inside the dark and scary areas of my mind or, you know, wherever it is that I need to go to get the information that is needed to either help somebody or to learn whatever it is that I need to do um, for myself. However, I notice that if I'm doing something for myself, I do tend to um, I'll, I get a little teeny tiny piece of an edible. I don't, you know, I, I very rarely drink. I don't use any drugs, but right. if I, there's a lesson I need to learn if there's some information that I need to get and I am not allowing myself to do that because there's either a fear level or, you know, whatever's going on, then I will get a little bit of help to relax those defenses. Okay. Uh, When you use like the stuff on YouTube, uh, what are you using? Like binaural beats or something like that? Mm -hmm. I actually, when I, um, when I do a search, it's going to be like, I'm just pulling up YouTube right now to get you exactly what I'll, I look at is, um, is shamanic drumming. And um, there's several different things. And oftentimes there's shamanic drumming with callback, which I like because it helps bring you back into the body. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite one is called Powerful Drums, Shaman, Magical Mandela. And that's just what it's called. But yeah, I use that one over and over and over again. I just like the the pattern that the person is drumming. Interesting. Because I also know like, like, you know, certain sound frequencies will induce certain states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, and I use those, you know, if I'm trying to meditate or I'm, I'm just relaxing or if I'm um, wanting, if I'm doing like a Reiki session, because I'm also a Reiki master, I will um, use those frequencies um again on youtube i'll just find a meditation track that has a particular frequency whether it's 432 or you know whatever it is depending on what it is that they are wanting to heal 
Um, and I will play that during a session. That's interesting. I just had a whole conversation yesterday about the key of A actually being 432 instead of 440. Hmm. <laughs> interesting. Yep. Um, so do, do you think you're, you, all the spiritual things that you are doing and able to do um, are a gift from you being a contact E, like maybe they helped you develop these gifts? Or do you think it's the other way around? Maybe you're a contact E, you know, because these gifts that you have are part of your generic uh genetic line well that's a good question and um you know i actually addressed that in the book you know which came first the chicken or the egg am i a contactee because i have a predilection to these psychic abilities or is it because i'm a contactee that i have them you know it's a it's a good question which which is it um i know that i have um you know at the age of two i was ex um exhibiting some um strange phenomenon like um i was two years old barely starting you know just talking and um we lived in phoenix at the time and my my mother's sister had a child like two days after me and then they lived in houston where my grandparents were her parents and that cousin he had decided to call our grandfather papa and they wanted like it was real hush hush nobody wanted anybody to know you know they didn't well they didn't want me to know what it was that my cousin had started calling him just to see what it was i would naturally uh start calling my papa and and that's what i came up with at two years old i was calling him the same thing and so that makes you wonder how how did i get that information um at the age of two and um so, you know, at very young age, I had that. I, I um, in elementary school, I remember if a teacher said, pull out your science book or whatever, I would pull it out and predict what page it was that she would want us to turn to. And, and I was almost always right. Yeah, I've, I've always tested myself on those, those types of things. Um, however, you know, as I've aged and as I have understood more and more of the contact experiences and what is happening, um, I know very well that they are training me in a lot of these um, phenomenon, like, um, like in specific with shamanic work and the need to traverse different dimensions and things like that. They, I have been, I've been, thoroughly trained and, and uh, like, like with the drill sergeant type of trained, get up, do it again, do it again, do it again. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Um, so I know that they have an agenda there as well. Whatever it is, I'm not sure, but I can definitely use it for my advantage. <laughs> but you, you definitely seem to feel that that part of their agenda though is sharing the knowledge. I think so. I think so. Um, there's a reason why they want us to be able to communicate on this level. Um, and I think it, it may be just so that we can, can communicate with them on this level. You know, um, our human brains and minds really cannot 
process the amount of information that comes at us in a contact situation, um, whether their vibration is too high and we just, we cannot fathom it, or if it's just, you know, excuse the term alien for us to get, you know, um, the higher our vibrations are and the higher level that we can achieve, there's that ascension stuff, the, um, the better able we are to fully grasp what is going on during these contact moments. Um, do you think that some of these psychic abilities in human beings are um, because of the pineal gland um, not being active? No, I'm not sure. I know that the pineal gland has something to do with the third eye. Um, I've heard a lot of stuff about fluoridated water and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, but I I really don't understand um, that kind of science, what's going on with that. I know that I have, um, I don't know. I mean, as we're talking about, I can like feel it in my, in my head as my third eye is like, activated so I, I don't know I, I really don't know how to answer that I think that when they're um, you know when you hear about contactees saying that they have an implant inside their nose I think that is where it is put is near the that gland honestly stimulating it right maybe that's for for communication purposes Right, which would make sense if, um, you know, the third eye is like psychic abilities and things like that. So it would make sense, um, you know, like things like telepathy and all that would be developed with that um, with that area. Um, do, do you think that, um, well, actually, are, are you able to access like information, like Akashic record type of information? Sometimes, if I concentrate hard enough. Oftentimes it feels like there's just a bunch of information floating over my head. And if um, somebody asks me a question, it's almost like just reaching up and grabbing the information and pulling it down. Um, it just it just feels like there there is information available like that. Hmm. Um, but, but, but with you, it sounds like there's like just no effort to it. You know, it's just, it's, 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 it's just there and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's like, I'll be talking to somebody and they'll say something and it, it's almost like, Oh wait, I have more information on that. And, and I can, it's almost like just, it almost feels like a whisper in the ear. Like, wait, 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 here's some more information and I'll get, you know, images, words, pictures, and I'll just explain what it is that I am picking up on. Um, and I just, and it just, when that happens, there's just a, like a, almost like a pull in my head, like you better pay attention to this, attention almost, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's like you're extra intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a difference be, be, between being like intuitive and uh, an empath? 
to me, empathy has to do with feelings, um, emotions, sometimes physical pain. Um, I can sit down next to a person and if they have a knee injury, I feel my knee hurt and not understand why, like, ah, oh, why does my knee hurt? And then they're like, oh boy, my knee hurts. Like, oh, okay. That's not me. I'm feeling this you. Um, but then, you know, the same thing is with emotions. You can walk into a room when you're empathic and know that somebody's angry. You can um, easily tell when somebody's lying uh, crowds make you really nervous because there's just too much information coming in as far as those emotions. And it makes it very difficult to say, am I sad or are you sad? Mm -hmm. um, and um, actually, while I work, I've got, you know, like a, a crystal called selenite with me. So with COVID, everything I do is over the telephone. So I've got it like sitting on the telephone cord. And if somebody is overly emotional and I start to feel it within myself, I just kind of wave the the thing in between me and the phone, like, no, 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 I don't need to feel this right now. Um, intuition to me is more of a gut feeling, not necessarily emotional or, or, or physical sensation based. It's information about um, either something that's coming or, you know, just uh, it, it's a little bit different. It's a different, what I would call a different Claire, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I just was was curious because um, mm -hmm. the empath thing is actually something I haven't yet read into. So, and and I know that's was under under your list of things that you do. So I wasn't exactly right. sure, you know, what the difference yeah. was. What you you've kind of cleared it up. Like intuition is kind of okay, knowing and being empathetic is feeling somebody else's feelings more or less. Right, right. And until you under, you know, if a person's empathic, it can be really confusing. Like, why am I sad? I wasn't sad a second ago. Why am I sad? And, um, you know, once you understand that it's somebody else's, um, like energy penetrating into yours or that, you know, because, uh, I believe that emotions have like a, a frequency themselves and, um, emotions are quite powerful tools. And I think that's one of the reasons why humans are so interesting to these different um, alien species. But, um, you know, until you are able to differentiate this is me and that is you, it is really hard for an empath. You have a lot of anxiety. You tend to isolate. You just don't want to you don't want to interact with other people because they don't. It, it hurts. It doesn't feel good. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine. Um. One of the things that you just mentioned, though, like, like about our emotions being so powerful, and maybe that's one of the things that intrigues them. Um, I've had people describe um, our ability to shift emotions is like the ability to shift dimensions. Like if we get angry, we only see the world through the lens of anger and see the anger in other people. So it's like, we're shifting into like this dimension of anger or like the other way, like, like with love. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think there's a multi-dimensional aspect to our emotions? Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I believe that, you know, these different emotions that we feel are going to be different frequencies. Um, anger being a very heavy and slow frequency, which means you're not going to be at a very high uh, dimensional. Um, you're not going to be able to reach a high dimension if you're feeling heavy. 
Um, but if you're full of love, you're vibrating at a much higher level. And, um, and yes, I do believe that that actually, well, that makes, you know, I, I never really thought about it. Dimensional travel as far as emotions go, but I think that it would make a lot of sense because the, the more love that you feel, the higher you vibrate and the higher you are ascended and the higher you are ascended, the more dimensions that you can access. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do think uh, I think there's a definite connection between emotion and uh, multidimensionality. Makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, um, not to be political or anything, but the fear mongering that happens in this country and probably around the world, I think, is on purpose to keep us at a low vibration. Honestly, so. I just, I just, um, I haven't really fought my way all the way through it, but it just feels truth. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. That I, I do believe it's, it is done on purpose. To, for some reason, there seems to be agenda of a certain group of people that doesn't want people to wake up to their full potential. Right. You know, why, I, I have no idea. Yeah, that, I, I, I don't I, even know if I want to know why. <laughs> I, 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 I can only guess. I mean, I, I have a theory, but I have nothing to back it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, the theory is that, that I think that um, um, uh, the, the, the powers that be have sort of dominated all the real estate here in the physical plane and um and, and they want to keep you know a hold on that but then obviously i think the next move would be to try to get up all the real estate in the astral planes as well hmm. mm -hmm. okay and, and one way to do that is to prevent people from actually accessing those other planes Wow, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but I have nothing to back it up. <laughs> now you're starting to sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how about the present now? Like now you have all these spiritual practices and tools. It sounds like you have a lot of support from other people. Um, you're coming out with your story. Um, are you still having these experience, these contact experiences? I am. I, I, I continue to have um, contact on a pretty regular basis. I'm not going to say they are the same. Um, it has been, I think August was the last time that I know that there was um, any uh, hybrid children involved. So it's been a few months, but um, I have not had anything scary. The um, that I can remember, uh, throw that in there. There's so much that mm -hmm. I don't remember. Um, you know, I think that the more that I have come to terms with what is going on, the more I strive to be able to communicate, the easier it is for me to um, smoothly transition in and out of these contact experiences. Um, well, you know, in just Friday, 
I think I had an experience like right before my lunch hour, because I'm working out of the house. Um, and I was um, chatting with somebody about um, marks on his arms. And I had this very sudden and abrupt shift of mood. Because um, I was just you know, I didn't have a client at the time and we were just talking and I was really quite subdued. And then all of a sudden I just had to dance and I danced throughout the house. Just, I don't know. It was weird. I, I like to dance, but I don't dance very often. I'm dancing and dancing and dancing. And then um, I needed to wash my hands. I washed my hands and I noticed my hands are covered in marks, little red marks all over my hands and a scoop mark as well. And so I think that they were very subtle and smooth with um So yeah, I think something happened. Do I remember anything? No, I just know that really bizarre things happen and now I've got marks all over my hands. Um, so yeah, I mean, contact happens all the time um, with me. I actually have a camera in my bedroom that monitors um, to see if anything happens at night and I get paranormal activity every evening while sleeping in that room um it's really interesting um really interesting stuff what kind of, what kind of activity have you captured um i have you know simple orbs that you would see like on ghost hunting shows and stuff like that um i have had streaks of light um doing all sort of loop-de-loos in the room i have had these bizarre square um, entities. I don't even know what they are. They look like a tissue and they will fold and move and fly through the room. Very fascinating. Um, I've had um, this thing that looked like almost like a like an X-wing fighter or something kind of undulate over me. Um, and then I do have one photograph, there was a flash of light in the room and um, in a still photo of that, um, of that video, it looks like it, it looks like an entity looking down on the bed. And um, I actually have that up on a website. So there's several of these videos that are available to look through. Um, and um, Rex Bear with the Leak Project did a did a whole video on <laughs> those those images in my bedroom too. So it's really, I don't know, it's fascinating. It's fascinating, and I know that I'm not the only one picking up. You know, with these kind this kind of activity, I know that other people have experienced it as well. What they are, I'm not sure. I um, speculate that they are interdimensional beings of some sort. Yeah, definitely. I I mean. The streaks of light in the in that the folding thing, uh, those those definitely would would fascinate me, or or the you know the picture of the being, you know, mm -hmm. um, orbs. I'm always a little bit skeptical about, you know, because because I've done my share of uh, paranormal investigating in, in dusty old houses, so <laughs> right, you know, right, you know, and, and one of the sorry. I was going to oh. say one of the, the one of the things with some of these orbs, um, I get agitated in the bed and will like move, and they will go off in a different direction. So I think that on some level that I know when there's something there, if it's you know an entity, 
and and uh, you know not to be too graphic but the other day i was having like a sex dream and when i looked on the video there's actually an orb that that touches down in the middle of my body like really quite in the gen genitalia area and then then lifts off so i <laughs> i thought wow okay sex dream orb that touches me in a in a in a naughty area it just uh it's 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 some of this stuff you can't make up man that's good luck <laughs> <laughs> i have actually now um you know out of the prompting of a friend he's like do you have an emf reader i'm like oh shoot yeah i've got a k2 meter and he said put it next to the bed see what happens um i've had that on for two days and i have not well i haven't gone through the videos for today but um mm -hmm. Uh, yesterday's videos did not pick up any any activity on the K2, so I was kind of sad <laughs> about that. But uh, experiments will continue. That's good. I have I have a K2 meter also. I haven't used it actually in my current house, but, mm. but my house is brand new. It was just built, so I, I highly doubt there's anything here. Um, so, so obviously you have a K2, so you must have done some, not only just expelling spirits from houses, but you obviously have some experience then probably in paranormal investigation. Yes. Yes. A little bit, not, not a ton, but some for sure. Interesting. Uh, and, and you've also done it with yourself in, in catching that evidence and posting it on the website. That's also really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just had to know, like, it, can I pick up anything? Will anything show up? And uh, yeah, <laughs> stuff is showing up all the time. Do you have cameras outside your home? Not at this point, no. Hmm. No, I'm thinking, like, maybe what I would do is put cameras outside facing the sky. It's tempting to do that. This this camera was actually a gift, so that was very nice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it would be really cool to have some more cameras for sure. Yeah, that would be interesting. Because uh, I've never seen anybody catch evidence that way. And I've never even thought of it until just now. <laughs> you know, of, of like, you know, of a UFO, say, you know, having a buck deal. Like, oh, yeah, I just put a camera outside on a tripod and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> right well and then there's then there's um you know ce5 i don't know if you've heard of that and uh, people purposely calling in ships um i have not participated yet in one of those but i'm very intrigued by it yeah i've never heard about that yeah so ce5 meaning close encounter of the fifth kind um it's also called heist or human initiated contact experiences um yeah, and it's like people will gather together, they'll meditate and ask for contact. And um, and I know that they get some really spectacular things happen. Hmm. I wonder, though, like when they do that, if they're getting alien contact or more multidimensional being contact. Honestly, at this point in time, I'm not necessarily sure there's a difference. That's, uh, <laughs> that could be true. It, it, you know, I mean, either way, they're alien to 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 this dimension or this planet. So correct, yeah, they're from someplace else. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so, so what kind of, what, what type of, um, model of reality do you, um, go by? I, I'm, I'm assuming that you, you've mentioned sort of like this, some of the quantum stuff. So do you think like the, that reality is more like a, of a holographic parallel universe type of model? I, I don't know. Um, I get, uh, I know that when I start thinking about us being, you know, like a holographic or just a computer program or something like that, I start to freak out. Um, I will go into panic state, which I think is an interesting (laughs) reaction from me. Um, I know that this is just one of many, you know, if that makes sense. Um, You know, the way I understand there is no time and there is no space and we can be everywhere all at once um, has been instilled in me by, you know, by my contact experiences. And so not only do I know that I have had, I know I have different selves that live at different space time locations um, on this planet, but in other dimensions and other planets and other places. And so I don't know. I don't know if there's like anything that really can define it or if I could even gather my thoughts up enough to give you like a really good overview of my beliefs on this. Hmm. How about um, religious beliefs? No, I, I am not religious at all. Um Religion does not fit well to me. It doesn't stretch wide enough. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I don't, um, you know, I stick really just to the spiritual ideas. Um, I've tried on many religions when I was a kid. I would, uh, my parents let me just go to whatever church I wanted to with my friends. Nothing ever really felt right. Um, When I went into college, I started to explore like Wicca because it, I, I understood that the world was bigger than what uh, the religions I was exposed to could explain. Um, but it didn't take me very long to understand that what I was looking for was help in developing psychic abilities, which has nothing to do with religion. And I quickly dumped any idea of um, worshiping anything because I, I feel like these entities that um, are named gods or whatever are just um, um, just interdimensional beings or aliens, you know, or for just from a different place and had stuff to teach us at the time. And so that really shifted my understanding of, of deity, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I also... You know, I mean, first, like I sort of identify as Buddhist, but being Buddhist is more of a practice than it is a religion. Mm-hmm. You know, the meditation, um, there's no real deity involved. Um, but yeah, I, I also had, a, you know, it, it's hard to describe because I, I do, I talk to a, a lot of people, you know, like a lot of people that I talk to, I guess would be considered like new age spirituality, mm-hmm. but I don't even know if that's a good description <laughs> of that, you know, um, it, it's hard to describe. Um, but I, I do think that, uh, you know, I had a friend of mine describe uh, that, that 
religion is like um like it's like kindergarten and then mm-hmm. like like mysticism is like high school and then like like you know when you start experiencing everything that's like college spirituality <laughs> that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense and then that maybe you know um you know where i'm at now is like this bridge between science and and spirituality how i am seeing that they're very much the same especially on that quantum level um you know if i if i think about um, like the telepathic connections I have to um, several other contactees, if I, I can feel them, you know, I can feel when uh, my friends are hurt or sad or, or if they're just reaching out to me to say hi, I can feel it in my body. And, and I understand that now as quantum entanglement, you know, so, but it's, to me, it's, it's a very spiritual thing. So, so I, I just find it very interesting, the bridging between the two realms that seems so opposite. I do too. I'm always trying to chase down guests that that to talk about that exact topic. Uh, something that that I I agree that that um, you know, quantum theory and spirituality are definitely intertwined together, and you can't yes. really separate the two. Um, and there's just something to it. And it's hard to explain. Like, actually, like the episode I posted this morning was um, was a, a physicist in India talking about physics um, and, and how it's interpreted through, like, the Vedic traditions, which was interesting. Because um, some of those, like, like the... Uh, you know, like the Eastern, the Eastern religions, that they seem to have known some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what's next for you? What's next? Uh, that's a good question. I'm actually in the editing process of another book that is uh, kind of a, energy work 101 just basic how to protect yourself from other people's energies how to um find um you know solace inside your own mind it's called uh, creating your sacred inner space so it's um you know just finding that place in your mind where you can start to explore and reach out um in an energetic type of way you know reading other people and things like that so i'm, I'm working on that right now um my original plan was to have that released before the end of the year i'm not sure if that's going to happen um currently also is the recording of the audiobook for dirty little secret um i found out quickly i am not very good at reading my own stuff into a microphone so i had to hire somebody to do it for me um and then I've got many, many other um, books that I, I am interested in writing. Um, I really want to dive into this, the, the, the spiritual, you know, the quantum, the quantum nature of spirituality. Um, I don't know how far I can get not being a physicist, um, but, um, you know, just my understanding of, um, you know, other lives past, you know, I, I always say, I don't agree with the word past life, but that's how everybody understands it at this mm-hmm. point in time. You know, I really want to work through that, get 
deep down into it. Um, I also want to work on a book um, and a friend of mine and I have looked into this about, um, you know, really defining the language of contact because there are so many things that we don't know how to describe. We don't have the words to use to understand this phenomenon um, in a way to get it across to others. And so we're looking into that. And then another big project of mine is how ET contact affects relationships. Um, you know, all sorts of relationships, whether it's romantic, parent, child, siblings, friends, um, you know, even relationships with God and your religion um, and with the ETs themselves. That's, that's another one that's in the works. I've got my, I've got so many irons in the fire. It's not even funny. <laughs> that is a lot. Yes. The relationship one is interesting. That is something I've never heard before. Right. And I, I think a, a lot of that comes with um, the fact that, well, I'm a marriage and family therapist for one thing. So relationships is what I think about day in and day out as far as uh, work goes. Um, but then also, you know, knowing that I have never had a successful marriage, I've been divorced three times now, um, you know, issues all the way through that. Uh, and often, due to something that has happened to me in, um, you know, through contact and um, trying to understand that and how it um, played a factor in the destroying of those marriages and uh, reaching out to others. And I'm certainly not the only one. So were your husband's um, believers? Did they understand and experience with you? Well, my first husband, um, I was married to him from like the age of uh, 20 until right before I turned 30. And so with him, I is when I started to really understand what was going on. Um, and and while <laughs> we we ended up with the promise like, OK, so as long as I don't hurt myself or anybody else, you won't commit me. Right. <laughs> that was that was the kind of, you know, attitude. He didn't get it. He didn't really understand. Um, and I didn't either, but, um, it, you know, it was just, um, incompatibility at that point. My second husband, that was, um, a very violent and scary time in my life and, um, contact really shut down, but they also told me before I started dating him not to do so. Uh, they meaning, um, aliens, uh, they, they told me don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, but I did it anyways and um, ended up just um, more hurt and damage than I could have imagined in a relationship. And, and as soon as it dissolved, contact came back very strong. So um, it's almost like either I didn't understand contact was happening at that time or they just did not have access to me because I was too um, damaged, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, and then my, my third husband is a contactee uh, from a, a family line of contactees, um, as far as we can tell. And, um, and so that, that made things a little bit different because then we were having experiences together. Um, but it was also, um, you know, at the time that I was really understanding the hybrid program and there's a lot of confusion around that. And um, I don't know, it, it just, 
there's a level of disconnect that, that uh, the ETs just do not understand, I don't think, um, monogamous relationships and how they work and how, um, you know, some of the things that they put us through really challenge that and make it hard to um, stay together. And yeah, and so we kind of fell apart. Uh, um, you do have children. Um, I do. I have two daughters. Did, did they experience, um, are they contactees also? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And, um, and that was, that's really hard to come to terms with, you know, knowing the troubles I had and all the traumas that I went through, um, to watch them have those experiences as well makes it very difficult to just, just to process. And it's not like I can do anything to stop it. And that feeling of not really uselessness, but defenselessness, right. there's nothing I can do is, is, is hard to process. Well, but you can be there for them. Just like that one alien was, has been there for you, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and just be understanding and non-judgmental and, you know, give them what right. they need. Right. And they, they know that they can come and talk to me about this, um, you know, and they have, you know, they've, they've come and showed me bruises and um, talked to me about things that have happened, but it doesn't happen often. And most of the time they don't want to hear it, but, you know, um, I was at the exact same place in my mind when I was their age, I didn't want anything to do with it. I thought it was horrible, horrific, terrible. And I was just beginning to understand what was going on. Of course, I didn't have uh, support. I had nobody that I could talk to about it, and I and I'm really glad that they do. You know, whether they choose to talk to me or somebody else, I know that there's support out there. So, so I, I know that you've used hypnosis, you know, to recall certain things. Ha, have you used any psychics? I, um, I yes. Um, a friend of mine, um, well, an acquaintance, I don't know her very well, a few years ago had advertised like she was um, um, doing star people readings. And I sent her a message saying, I got, I got to do this. Um, and, and she was able to help me quite a bit. Um, it was at a time where I was really confused. Like I have all these things that are hurtful and all this trauma, but I'm getting these loving and beautiful messages. So I don't know what to do with this. Why, why are there two different sides of the story here? And I'm really confused. And, and she was the one that really helped me say, okay, so in those traumatic experiences, were they the, were, was it the same beings that are giving the positive messages? And I'm like, oh, you're right. No, they aren't. And, and so, um, and she was able to give me information from what she called my star family, which are those, those beautiful and loving experiences. Um, and uh, she was able to tell me that through the writing of my book and the finishing of the book, I would be able to have much more access to my star family, which is really interesting um, because I have had a lot of experiences with either people here on this planet that I know are my family, that doesn't make any sense. You know, you like, there's no genetic ties um, at all, but I, I know that they are from the same place as me. Um, but then also the much more benign and loving and spiritual nature contact uh, 
um, has, you know, really ramped up since um, getting this book out. Um, so she was right about that. Um, she also told me I needed to change the way I eat. <laughs> and I really struggle with that. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I have used psychics, uh, but not necessarily to retrieve memories, right. if that makes sense. Right. It sounds like the psychic that you did speak with was definitely able to help you immensely. Absolutely. If I had not talked to her, I think I would have had like a psychotic break or something. I was on the verge of a breakdown and um, she helped pull me back together. That's incredible. That's great that you were able, she was able to do that. And, you know, and, and, and it kind of just brings me back like that, that, that first thought about that handler, you having like, um, like a star family. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, um, and maybe she is part of it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things like I, I heard is like, um, you know, not so much like a genetic family, but, but when we, we are incarnated, we have what's called like a soul group where, yeah. where like, you know, a group of souls incarnate together. Absolutely. I've, I have witnessed that myself. I'm just, you know, um, meeting people that I have known before um, and in multiple, multiple lifetimes. And, uh, and I think that it's interesting, the, the more I reach out and talk and um, expose myself, the more that uh, that soul family <laughs> reaches back out to me. Um, you know, I did a, a YouTube uh, interview a couple of months ago and I received like three or four messages saying, I had to talk to you because I recognize you. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've known you before and we've been able to explore like past lives and say, oh, okay, look, we, we did know each other right here. Um, it's been fascinating. Wow. Fascinating process. Like I, I've met people where I was like, oh yeah, I think I've, I know this person, even though I don't, but I've never gone back and looked. Right. Well, and, that, and that's one of the things that I do. It's, uh, you know, working with those other selves is is um, one of my favorite things to do as far as like a, the energy work and psychic readings and stuff. Uh, reaching into those other lives and other dimensions is, um, yeah, that's absolutely my favorite. <laughs> Sounds it's, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so where can my listeners find you? I'm on Facebook. Um, you know, you can find me under Erin Montgomery. Um, there's also a Facebook page for the book, Dirty Little Secret. Got to be careful. Look for my face. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> <laughs> a lot of other things you can get yourself into with that. Um, um, you know, the book itself is available on Amazon, um, both in uh, paperback and an um, ebook format at this point in time. Be watching out for that book, hopefully within the next couple of um, and then um, I also currently have a web page. Uh, I think I'm about to switch it to something different, but at this point, www.peoplesouterdimension.net. Um, you can always leave me a message there. That's the place where the videos from my bedroom are at. There's a, uh, I've got, there's another contactee that kind of shares the page and he, um, 
he does have an outside camera. So there's um, interesting stuff that he has um, on the site as well. You'll have to uh, send me the links to those and I'll post them in the notes of this episode so my listeners can check it out. And I also want to check it out too because I want to see the pictures. (laughs) They are pretty fascinating. Great. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to be on tonight. Absolutely. I have enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you and have a great evening. Good night. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.